Hiya, Georgie. Welcome to Road to Nowhere, the sci-fi, horror and comic book movie podcast. I'm your host Andy Connor and tonight I'm delighted to be joined by Larry Reed. Hello. And Paul McKenzie. How you doing guys, you alright? Good. Yep, I'm all good. How have both of you been? Yeah, good. good. Right. Just, just moved into my new house now, so I'm notice. Ah, so that's how the setup's different then. I just thought yes. you'd maybe moved room. No, no, no. This is this is my this is my this is my kind of officey. Uh, where all my DVDs are just thrown across the floor with all my VHS as well. So this is my man. sort. Of, this uh, I would say it's not more, less of a man cave, more of a dungeon. At the moment, <laughs> like just a swamp of DVHS, basically. At the moment, yeah, I was wondering where PB Herman was. I'm kind of missing him already. Uh, he's still in the old house. He's not. He's not came back yet. So <sighs> we'll, we'll make a return soon. Don't worry. If he shows up the night, then that's when we can shit ourselves. Yeah, yeah. If he shows up, that's a bit harder because he's, he's walked away a fair amount to get through to us. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> about yourself, Paul? How you been? I'm all right, working away. I'm still in the started a new job a few months ago, so the training sort of getting to the the, the meaty end of things. So that's been yeah. enjoyable. All <laughs> well, the fun stuff, isn't all it? Right. All right. Well, it's been a, it's been a while since my last episode. Uh, my last one was covering the unsurpassable Halloween kills. Um, <laughs> Paul, you were lucky enough to miss that one. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I heard that it sound, sounded um, interesting. <laughs> oh, it was an absolute massive heap of shit. But apart from that, um, what we're going to discuss today um, with the, the theme of the pod is we pick a movie from the career of the a person from the previous movie we've discussed. And with this one, we've picked Judy Greer, um, who has... <laughs> so, I'm going to say this right from the off. I had to make sure that Judy Greer wasn't credited in this because she was in a cutscene that didn't make the end movie because yeah. I didn't know who she played. <laughs> but then it turns out that she plays Caesar's wife. Yes, in, I didn't realise that. The time of, like, whole time I was what of like. Do the gears in this, isn't she? Like I was like, <laughs> and, and I was like, just didn't I didn't go into today and went all right. Uh, she, I mean, I hope she didn't get paid a lot for this because she's that pussy effort. <laughs> I'm assuming like they do with most animatronics, that, uh, animatronics, uh, motion capture. They get either Andy Serkis or they get James Gunn to slouch. No, yes. James Gunn, sorry, Sean Gunn. Sean Gunn, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and just kind of slouch and run about. So I don't know if she was there on set much, but anyway. Um, <laughs> yeah, so we're going to discuss that next. But first off, for a kind of bit of news and developing news, the latest poster for Spider-Man No Way Home was just released um, as we were recording. It was yesterday, um, so we were recording on Tuesday. Um Paul, what were your thoughts on it when you first seen it? For the, the poster? Yeah, just for the poster. Yeah, I'm just looking at it now. I've seen 
I, I see. I don't know if it was a different poster that was released last week, and I know. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think it's an Easter egg because it's kind of blatantly in the background. Aye, they've used the same goblin picture that they used yeah, in the yes. previous poster. Aye, <laughs> yeah, so I, I, I was confused to whether maybe it was like a fan poster because no. the mask, it's, I, know he's, I know it is a mask, but it looks like a proper, remember the old Halloween masks with the wee bit of uh, stretchy yeah. band at the back? That's that's the only thing I've that annoys me about the poster, to be honest. It just doesn't look, mm. looks as if somebody's maybe done it in their room. <laughs> um, yeah. I, I think there's a couple Aye. of clues that I know. I know we've got Octopus coming back. Um, Aye. A wee bit of electricity. Aye. Yeah, yeah, as well. Some sand. Is there mm. sand as well? There's sand as well in the, in the new one. Yep, yep. It's a bit of sand as well. Like The one released yesterday, is there? Maybe I've missed that. I'm going to double check. I'm just going to double check that. I'm pretty sure there is. Yeah. I thought that was last week's one or two weeks ago's one. I, I think it's going to be very similar ish to some of the other Marvel we've seen where it's going to be kind of stacked um, and they'll need to maybe play wise with their time on screen. Aye. Um, yeah, sorry, so that budget it doesn't, ha- doesn't have sand in this one, I don't think. But mm, this is one with Doctor Strange in it. Yeah, Doctor, Doctor Strange wasn't in the previous one. Yeah, and I assume, I assume the electricity is, is basically his, his kind of magic in, no, that, in that poster. I think I think that'll be Electro because James uh, Jamie Fox is confirmed okay, to be on it. Yeah, I yeah, think yeah. we're going to get a lot, of, a lot of surprises. There's a lot of talk about hmm. multiverse and yeah, Venom and things like that, isn't it? Andy Garfield yeah. and stuff. And aye. Hmm. Do you think it's possibly Sony's way of setting up the Sinister Six that they've always wanted to set up? But can I piggyback in on the MCU with it? I think it's I think so. I think that's I think that's what they wanted to do. They wanted to have that kind of the sort of this is obviously they have their kind of cake and eat it now. They can hmm. have those those characters in it and be like, right, well, we can't then get to do Alpha Molina and like Jim Willem Dafoe and as M since the sixties, you pretty much killed them off every film. Yeah. And the same we're saying we can bring them back and we can actually have that since the six it was kind of set up and the amazing Spider Man too. Um, was that bit we obviously you see obviously uh, Norman Osborne's like sort of like lackey guy going down at the Oscorp and his hmm. like the vulture wings and his like the Doc Ock tentacles and stuff like that and like yeah. you, just, you thought it was going to happen at that point but hmm. um, we never got that at all because it was just panned and it <laughs> went yeah. nowhere so like and say a bit say spider theme tune that he played over Times Square. Or whatever it was when he was when Jamie Fox was electro. Do you think we'll be getting uh so, so I think yeah, possibly Sony are looking to possibly piggyback off of the success of the MCU and the MCU's version or, or their version of the MCU Spider Man. Um is it possible for this mo- so I was just thinking this to myself the other day. Is it possible for this movie to live up to the hype? I think, I don't know, I don't think so. I think mm. Kevin Feige has also, also come out and said that I know you want to be excited about things that are going to happen and I know there's a lot of stuff being talked about but don't don't get those hopes up because yeah, because it could be, I, I particularly think that people thinking there's going to be Toby Maguire and all that and that, I, I, I think they won't do that. I think they're more likely to have the, all the, the bad guys in it rather than have all the, the Spider-Man in it. But oh, you don't think they'll be in it at all? I don't know. I think I think what he's saying is like, 
that seems to be the main thing that people are talking about. It's like, oh, we're going to have all the Spider-Man together again. Yeah. Or together for the first time. But maybe we, we don't get that. Maybe we get maybe one, just one of them maybe comes comes into it because mm. I, don't, I don't know. It's, it's, it's hard to say. But Kevin Feige just said, look, I know there's going to be a lot of stuff that you want to see in it, but not even... It's going to just basically set your expectations, you know, lower than you, you expect them to be because... They can't make. I don't think they're. If they did that, they'd be shooting the load quite a lot. <laughs> um, yeah, I like, think you're going to leave that alive. Happy. See for the poster because they've got a city sort of basically sort of the top and the bottom, and it's sort of swapped mm. and stuff. I'm expecting we're going to be jumping through some sort of universes or timelines uh, or something. And yeah, I, yeah, I don't think we're going to. Like we said before, it's hard to pack in so many characters. So I think if we yeah. do maybe get other Toby Maguire and Andrew Garfield, it could be potentially in like a Back to the Future esque sort of Tom Holland running through yeah. the city, and next time Toby Maguire swings past him in the background or something like that. Maybe mm. yeah, set up just a very brief else, thing, I, you mean? Or they maybe meet up for a couple of minutes to help one another do something, and mm. I don't know. I think that I think there will be because obviously. <coughs> Some photos of them on the sets and stuff. Yeah, they kind of leaked photographs. Aye. But I, I don't think Aye, they're yeah. going to use too much time for that. Although I do know in the previous Spider Man's they've sort of hyped up some characters and then they've, they've pretty much been in it for like ten minutes. So hmm. it's. What do you think of them? Yeah, I, I I think I, I disagree with you a wee bit. I think both Holland and uh, no Holland, sorry, Maguire and Garfield are going to play major parts. Specifically in the third act, I think that's how it's going to go. Um, possibly if Doctor Strange has got access to a multiverse, yeah. <clears throat> I think Doc Ock looks like he's going to be the main villain. Yeah. Yes. From what we've seen, but I mean, as we are talking just now, we are less than four hours away for the new trailer release. We might see a bit more. I think Doc Ock's going to be the main villain. You're going to have maybe cameos for Sandman, Electro, and uh, Willem Dafoe's Green Goblin. Yeah, and then potentially maybe you'll get a, a Venom or a, a, a Falcon or whoever else, Scorpion I mean Scorpion's around in the, the yes, Tom yeah, Holland yeah. MCU or even, um, or even you could have Morbius as well because obviously that's coming Morbius, out at yeah. the same sort of time so. yeah, and we know that uh, Michael Keaton's in, in Morbius yep, yep. he was in the trailer yeah um, I think yeah, I, I can see the, the, the two older spider men playing a massive part in it, I think. Um moving on, as we said, from the poster to the trailer, which we're a couple of hours away from its release. Um say everything that we think, however much it differentiates, is going to happen. Say we get a Sinister Six, say we get Tom Holland and uh, I keep saying Tom Holland. <laughs> I hope he's going to be in the fucking thing. Um, Toby Maguire <laughs> right. and Andrew Garfield um, in the movie when it comes out. For this trailer, what do you want to see from it? Or what do you not want to see from it, Paul? Because I, yeah, I think there's, yeah. there's an added excitement. Like it's, it's fine going, oh, I can't wait to go and see the film. Oh, they're going to be in it. It's it, it, mm. brilliant. But I think whenever you're sitting there and you're going, oh, that was a cool scene. 
oh, what will happens next thing? Like, holy shit, there's Andrew Garfield mm-hmm. or this Toby McGuire. Do you know what I mean? I just think I'd rather have the excitement in the film as the experience, supposed to mm-hmm. have it and then sort of be living off that for the next three weeks, wait, yeah. come out, four yeah. weeks. Yeah. Kind of like with, um, when you go and see Endgame in the cinema and the portal scene happens. Yeah. <clears throat> yes. Like, Endgame was great, but it's not maybe misdirection, but it puts so much before the portal scene that you forgot they'd done the snap or the re-snap or whatever you want to call it. Yeah. Um, that then when that happened, you went, oh, fuck, I forgot about that. And so yes, you get yes, something yes. like that in the new Spider-Man. But, I mean, the Spider-Man is probably the biggest uh, Marvel event since uh, Endgame. Is there a runtime? Yeah, I think so. Got it already? Is that come out? I don't, I don't think there is, no. No, I'm not sure. I don't have that. I've not seen one yet. I would imagine, I would, I mean, I've still not seen Eternals, um, but I'd imagine it would come in with the scope of the movie. Yeah. It's got to come in at roughly about that, I would say. I think because there's been sort of, sort of leaks hmm. of um, the costume, the new costume, which is a bit more like, it's less the kind of robot toy looking thing. Which yeah. I think, which in the poster, the, the poster that you can see very, not obviously clearly, but it's very like the first Spider-Man movie where he's like, he's got the big sort of helmet, but mm-hmm. the costume doesn't lend to that. I don't think it looks more like a kind of like, more like a thrown together looking thing. Yeah. It's more yeah. like, it's like, it's less of a polished, like all in one suit. More, it looks more like a, maybe a little more kind of apocalyptic looking, sort mm. of survivorly looking because he's got the pouch and it's got the, the pocket oh, mean- and it's got the scarf and stuff on it. It looks a bit more like he's maybe come from a time where it's like there's, Something else has happened, maybe. Or maybe, maybe he's more of a good guy, in this sort of in that in that that multiverse. Maybe he, maybe Spider Man's a bad guy. Maybe Spider Man's a villain in this case, mm-hmm. or there's a bigger bad that's, or maybe Doc Ock comes from the same sort of multiverse as him, and they're fighting because mm-hmm. you see, obviously, Doc Ock comes out and the pumpkin bomb comes down. Maybe there's a uh... flip there where where. He isn't. He isn't good anymore. He has uh, Green Goblin. He's now Green Goblin, but this time he's fighting Doc Ock, and they've come yeah. through together. Or they were in that that, <clears throat> that that dimension or multiverse together themselves. Mm-hmm. They're they're fighting because like maybe Green Goblin's a hero. This and that of this sort of yeah. this universe. Well, so we so- could see that. Like we could see that. Or and I think if they're gonna if you're gonna see any of the Spider Men. I'd like it to do to do sort of like what they did in they've done in the Ghostbusters trailer where you see them but you don't and you hear them but you don't really see the guys there so mm. you see the bit the bit the costume and that's it. <laughs> and no. it's like you don't know what the, what role they're going to play in it within within it. That, yeah. Um, so I'd like to see that if if they are going to turn up, then Aye. I'd like to see that a little bit of a tease, but not mm. a full on like oh there's Tobey Maguire or there's Andrew Garfield. It's Aye. maybe the backs of their suits or something. Or the boot, even the boots or something landing or something like that, uh, like it's beside them or something like that. Do you think? Sorry. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Do you think with the um, the obviously we've had the the two posters that have uh, had a Green Goblin image in the background, which looks a bit more like Raimi's version of yes. the Green Goblin, yeah. and then we've also had these leaks come out, which seems a totally different take on what the Green Goblin could be. Yeah. Do you think that's a mislead from the posters potentially, or? Poor leaks because leaks, the leaks seem to be quite, um, quite accurate from what we've understood. But maybe the 
Do you know what Marvel are like? Yeah. Marvel are massive for misleads in their trailers and in their posters. And, um, and I, I potentially, personally, I hope that we get those types of um, kind of false scenes and things like trailers for this new movie. Um, and the maybe the approaches kind of similar to that more than what maybe Sony would do, where Sony yeah. were like, oh shit, right, here's a more base trailer, we need to get Michael Keaton in it now, just because they know then that this is linked to Spider-Man. Yeah, I think I think what they'll do is they'll just... There's not, there's, I mean, there's nothing to say that we don't get the Raimi version of Green Goblin, we don't, and we get a different version. Yeah. There's nothing to say that, there could be multiple versions, you see, like, even, yeah. a, 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 even a little bit of a flash, like, mm-hmm. uh, like, like, um, Paul was saying about like just like, having just like, a little bit of a tease of them or like, going past or a kind of like, a little kind of like snap and you're just talking to them and that's it and it, they're off and it's like only well, maybe a, f- a few minutes you get to see them so mm-hmm. could be as much if, as if they're going to be skipping around so much they, you might find that just there's, there's brief sort of like cameos and, and different right. costumes and different bits so so that that could be it could not be a, a misdirection at all it could just be you're going to get this guy you're going to get a different version of it or Mm-hmm. Right. Could be as You're much not going to get James Franco on a Holland skateboard. Into Andrew Garfield, both as Peter Parker without the suits on. Something daft like that. Like, yeah, do you yeah. know what I mean? Because he's trying to avoid somebody in the city and then mm-hmm. bump into one another. Oh, sorry, buddy. Oh, you dropped this. Kirsten Vince's came out and said she's definitely not in it, but I mean, so has Andrew Garfield and so has Tom Holland. I don't believe either of the two of them, so maybe Kirsten Dunst would be in it. Maybe you'll get a scene of Andrew Garfield seeing the Gwen Stacy or Tom Holland universe, but then yeah. would that be quite dark and <laughs> quite horrible for him, or would it be a good thing? You never yeah. know. Um, I think Doc Ock, if he is going to capture Aunt May, will feel like he's won a watch <laughs> compared to the universe he I was in before. So you either get, you know, Sally Field or you get it was a look in her day. Don't give her like don't give her props. It's smoking the bandit, she's not bad looking now. I think everyone well, you get Marissa to me. Yeah, we've got characters coming from previous films. I think we're mm. almost certainly gonna get some sort of multiverse esque parallel universe crossover somewhere. It's it's almost I think that's the only guarantee from this for mm. me. Hmm. I think given yeah, it's interesting. how Eternals has had a... Well, it's been panned, hasn't it? I think they need this to work now. Like They need it to work. Aye. Because they whatever they were doing in terms of world building, it's almost like, mm-hmm. you remember whenever they brought out the second Fantastic Four and it also bombed and they couldn't Aye. go anywhere with it. I think the yeah. Eternals is like that. They, they think they had a plan or where to go and now, mm-hmm. now they're maybe thinking... We can't just go that direction on its own. They're going to need to maybe add some, some something yeah. in there as well. I think because yeah. there's so much expectation on things after Endgame, because every, everybody's mm-hmm. looking for the next sort of wait, well, what's the next move? What's the next move? And I know they've come out and said phase three and four and whatever else, but it, it, it's brilliant having a plan and a map. Yeah, they don't have the paths to go there. Mm. And I think that's what I mean, is going to be so. I, th- I think that's 
I think they have, like Kevin Feige, they, they have people smart enough to get there. And I think it's um, heading towards Kang the Conqueror being the next big bad. But how they work that, because you've had what is meant to be the greatest threat to the universe, that's the issue I think they've, yeah. they were always going to have. Um, and then... I'm not 100% sure on what's coming out next year, but it, it can't all lead towards Avengers movies anymore. I think that's, that's what well, they need. That's what I'm saying about, see, whenever they're building another world, so if it was part of the Eternals and maybe a Spider-Man and somebody else, <coughs> mm-hmm. potentially lost two or three guys for Eternals, just because it's... I mean, maybe not. Maybe, mm. maybe they'll just double down on it and make the next one someday. I don't know. I've not seen it to say how, how good or bad it is, but yeah. given the reviews and stuff... Yeah, I think I think it's I think because it's as Eternals kind of suffers from being once you go to once you go to a, go to a point with Marvel, you've done your Hulk, you've done your Spider Man, you've done your Captain America, Iron Man. Mm-hmm. You've you have to go somewhere else. So mm-hmm. now we're getting you're sort of like lower tier, not really well known characters. I mean, Guardians of the Galaxy that wasn't something that a lot of people knew about, but. I think James Gunn did a good good representation of the, those those characters. Now, yeah, I mean, even even me that would would reading kind of some of the Guardians of the Galaxy stuff, I would when I was younger. I mean, it was I was I, I wouldn't say that obviously oh, I knew a bit of metal, but yeah, every sort of like minuscule part of it. But I knew enough to kind of go, okay, that's Star Lord and that's Drax, etc. But mm-hmm. um, but once you get to a certain point down the lines of making films, you've got to go right. Who else can we make movies about? We can't make another Iron Man movie. We can't make yeah. another, you know, um, Spider Man movie. We need to go try and give other characters. We have other characters and like that are that have rich and interesting stories, but maybe people just don't know what to talk, what they're about, or who yeah. they are. So when you make a Eternals, you're making a big gamble to go right. Mm-hmm. The next big big thing is this, and we've got you know <coughs> quite big heavy hitters in terms of, of, of actors in there. So. I think the thing with the Eternal seems that it feels like it's a team up movie. It feels like it's came more from an angle about the way that Warner Brothers have went with the DCU, mm-hmm. where it's making the team up movie initially. And obviously, again, I have no uh, background knowledge about the Eternals, and I've not seen the movie yet, so I'm maybe being a bit presumptuous. But it feels like this came from that DC side of right. We've got these great, powerful characters, but then why have they not get involved with Thanos? And it even tells you that in the trailer. So obviously they're trying to address that for people before they go and see it. Yeah, it's a strange approach they've taken with these three. Yeah, but we never, we never know how it's going to go. Um, the other part of Spider Man that we've just found out, which is good news for us is that it's getting released 48 hours earlier in the UK to the rest of the world. All right. For some reason, which is good because when Americans get things before us, i.e. Venom, um, the Eternals, and everything within three hours of the movie getting released, you get stills and fucking mini videos of the post-credits things, which is why I found out what happens in certain... Sony properties. Yes, yes. So I'm delighted with that, and I'm going to tag as many American people as I know when I share <laughs> share my spoilers.
So for the next part of the episode tonight, we are going to discuss a movie from Judy Greer, who was part of our Halloween Kills episode previously. Um, What we've decided to talk about is Matt Reeves' War for the Planet of the Apes. come to you first because this is one that you actually had on our kind of top five sci-fi yeah. what do you what is it that you love about this movie because obviously we, we already know it's the it's, it's the three as a, as a, as a sort of whole mm-hmm. like I know um, Rise is maybe not the most exciting of the, of the sort of trilogy I think it builds really well um, mm-hmm. as a reboot off of what came before it and I know it's it's a weird one because it's not technically a reboot because there's things that happened in other films from previous parts of franchises of it and stuff. But I just think it, it it's an amazing set of three films. It's one of those sets of films where the second and third probably step and then step again. Mm-hmm. Uh, whereas normally, like you know, it's like Godfather syndrome where it's like the first one amazing, the second one okay, amazing, and then the third one just comes off a cliff. Yeah, the majority of sort of films that go over third or three, but. I think all of these are absolutely brilliant. Um, mm-hmm. I, I would maybe put it in order of Dawn, then War, then Rise. Right, I was, okay. I was ranking them. Um, mm-hmm. I just really like the second one, but the third one's so cool. Um, mm-hmm. The way everything comes together. Um, and it's almost like a... I don't think they were ever done with the intentions of being three. I think it was done with a one, and then a two, and a three. But the way it works from dawn to war, it just it gives you maybe not a perfect ending, but it gives you a, a really, really well worked ending, and everything yeah. pulls together to make it worth the wait. Really, do you know what I mean? And there's a couple of years between making the films, um, mm-hmm. but ah, they were just absolutely brilliant. I think whenever you look at the cast and stuff mm-hmm. uh, as well, especially like over the three films, it's a, it's a weird one where. I know she's our main guy and he's there for, for, for everything, Cobra. Yeah. And things, but the humans they bring in, like James Franco as well and stuff, and then like cuts with the house and Jason Clark's in there uh, as Malcolm. Um, mm-hmm. And the second one, it's just the three sort of stellar casts for three different films. And that's the thing as yeah. well. It's not as if they deal with sort of similar things, but are totally different in their own way. John. <clears throat> It's almost like a, I know it's like a beginning, middle and end, but it is sort of like that. But I don't think that was ever the intention initially. I just think it, it just works really well and the story's brilliant, the CGI's amazing. But that's what, yeah. do you know what I mean? They're yeah. just, that's like, since Lord of the Rings, they're like sort of, if not the like standard bearers, they're, them, they're up there, aren't they? Oh, definitely. Larry, what's your thoughts on them? 
just as a trilogy as a whole. Yeah, I, I, I think, <clears throat> like just like like Paul was saying, they just they just tend to get better in terms of like it's been a long time since I watched the first the first one. Mm-hmm. I think it was very much. I think it was maybe when they first came out. I think I, I think I, was, I saw it, and um, I only I only recently watched Rise and then War last couple, last few weeks, mm-hmm. and. And having a sort of between war and sorry between right rise and war, um, there's definitely like the you can even notice it in this in the, the subtle way that the CGI looks. It just there seems to be there's definitely a a, a great path of like them nailing and make, making them more human. I think I was speaking to Paul at the beginning and before before we started and saying like this is the thing I noticed about it the most was in war. I sort of switched off my brain to the fact that what that you're watching guys playing, you know, like CGI mo- monkeys or you know apes. It was more about they made them so human, and in, mm-hmm. in that film, you made Caesar such like sort of like almost like kind of like a like in the later stages of a bit of a kind of Steve McQueen sort of. Clint Eastwood, the lonery type guy. Once once his kind of family gets, most his family gets killed. Um, they just become a really human cast. Mm-hmm. And even like even what's the big orangutan called? Oh, I can't remember. But like nah. even he, him, who doesn't actually doesn't doesn't he only speaks very very briefly. Mm-hmm. Near the end, near the end, he sort of speaks mm-hmm. to the girl and stuff for like that, like young girl and stuff. Yeah. Um. Even that, like him just signing and stuff, it was it was so like it's so well acted and so well, you know, realized as a kind of a, a, a CGI character, you can almost go those are sort of the blueprint to say, well same way kind of Gollum was. I think Andy Serkis has just nailed that way to make a, a CGI character become real. If you just suspend the fact that you go just watch the film for what it is as a good film and yeah. exciting and kind of dramatic and mm-hmm really really sad at points like i was really really upset like in a lot of that lot of lot of moments in that that film and mm-hmm. um there's genuine kind of pathos in it and it's hard to, to imagine if when i thought like i like when i first saw the first one i thought it was good mm-hmm. i wasn't bowled over by it but then no. and watching watching dawn and then sorry rise and then watching war i just kind of really sort of not can I kind of connected with them a little bit. I just kind of went right. Well, I've got, I, I need to realize these, these apes are human in, in character, essentially. Yeah, they're actors. You know, they're you know, they're playing a part essentially. So, mm-hmm. I think you sort of forget a little bit when you're into the kind of movies, and because they're such greatly directed movies and fully realized, you kind of forget that they're not real. You forget that, you forget that you know they're, they're computer generated. You forget that you're not watching somebody maybe like in a suit or something like that when you in the kind mm-hmm. of old days, or you would somebody like even to the point where I think in war, he, he, Caesar became so human and the way he was talking and expressions, and they just completely nailed. Um, like I like I I could almost tell. What was I watching the other day? And we're talking about it like I was in Shang Chi. Mm-hmm. Um, where Trevor uh, Ben Kingsley's talking about like when I went to see Planet Apes I, I realised that 
left. They just t- they chained those <laughs> apes to ride horses. <laughs> so that kind of inca- that death. That I was like, I had my Trevor moment watching those movies. I thought <laughs> these are real. These are real apes. They've taught to, taught to do these this acting and talk like that. So you don't think it's computer generated, but then they, they said that it's now taught those apes to yeah. train horses or something. Yeah, that's yeah, great. See, one of the whenever I was looking into it, um, one of the, the sort of facts I found that was that initially that, that was like a, a, a an idea was is it just going to be easier to train train apes and, and like they wanted them to be real. I don't think in every part, um, yeah. but eventually I think they just decided let's 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 be practical here and just, right. just make yes, yes. let's not get our faces mauled. Yeah, I I I think what uh, Larry's saying with. Especially, but I noticed in Rises, like they they spent the time building it up. So, like, obviously, initially in it, he doesn't talk, and I think that's one of the things I enjoyed about the first one was they, they never just jumped two footed into, oh, it's part yeah. of the apes. This is what you know, talk monkeys. But it's no, yeah. like they actually showed mm-hmm. you a wee bit of the, the relationship between Will and Caesar, and then obviously yeah. how his mum get killed, and then how the infection spread and then even the, the relationship between um James Frank John Lithgow. and well and I and his, his his dad John Lithgow, do you know what I mean? So mm. like, I just think with Charles and Will obviously they were going through a really sort of a sensitive situation in terms of life because he was sort of coming to the end of his and that made Caesar more human. And then because mm. of that that's that's still with, with Caesar in the second and the third because you see it in certain mm. parts of the second and the third one where you're going, well, he is very human whenever he's, mm-hmm. he's with his wife and uh, with blue eyes and stuff and then even in parts with Malcolm where he says, right, you go and get away from here because the humans are going to want to kill us because mm-hmm. we've, we've destroyed everything and stuff. Do you know what I mean? So like, there's, I think for it not having been originally set as a trilogy, they've, they've taken a lot of the second and third from the first and yeah. built on it. Uh, and, I, and I do like the fact that they never jumped in it two-footed. Um, yeah. It's not until the end, is it near close to the end of uh, Dawn that Caesar first speaks? Yes. Yeah, Am I right in thinking? The end of Rise, he screams. Right. Is it towards the end of Rise where he screams? Yeah, so, um, what's the guy? And they all kind of react to it. Aye, so Tom... Yeah. Tom Felton from Malfoy for Harry Potter. Yeah. Dodge Landon. He um he's like a caretaker in the sort of unit where the, the apes have been held mm-hmm. and they sort of mistreat them. Uh, I don't mm-hmm. I think he goes to hit them with like a bat or a pole or a stick or something. Right. Yeah, and he grabs it and just screams no. Yeah, that's what it is. I I honestly I just I think it's 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 a good film. It's not a great film on its own. It's good. Mm-hmm. Enough to peak me that when the second one came out, I thought I'm definitely going to give it a go because obviously Aye. it's that natural progression there for them. Aye. And we get obviously with War it's the, the kind of culmination of the trilogy and an arc that I don't know a lot about the original series or any of the original movies. Is Caesar the is Caesar the kind of main Ape in the original, or is this a whole new thing? So in the originals, I'm sure Charlton Heston plays a guy called George Taylor. Right, I okay. don't think there is like in the original series of films. I think it's more about him rather than the, the sort of the apes himself. 
You're right, so it's taking it from a totally different perspective. Yeah, so they're basically, I think the reboot's shown you from a, a perspective of how the apes came to be. Um, mm-hmm. I was doing a wee bit of sort of a research as well, just into just the films, and there's actually mm-hmm. there's a grid that tells you all the characters overlap and stuff. And right, okay. These are, as in what would have been the third sequel originally in the 70s, and then two after that. Right. And then, obviously, we've taken him for the reboot. Um, there's a guy called Dr. Cornelius in the original series as yeah. well. Um, and that's where... Where is it? Cornelius too. Um, his wife, sorry, is it? His son? <coughs> uh, so there is a bit of overlap with some of the characters there. Mm-hmm. I don't think it is a reboot, but it's, I think they tried to pull a wee bit from the original storyline. More like a kind of reimagining, and yeah. you know the you know the planets, Planet of the Apes, kind of um, moniker, but we are giving her a new twist on it, and we've got Andy Serkis uh, motion capture behind it, which is always going to be. You know, a, a big pull for people to go and see as well. Um, for me, I mean, I remember I seen for some reason I missed War in the cinema, but I seen uh, Rise and Dawn in the cinema, and I absolutely loved them, like both of them. I mean, I always think James Franco is at best passable as an actor. Like, I think he's, <laughs> I say, at yeah. best at a push, and even in Rise, I still think he's. Uh, I'll give him okay as as a positive, um, but then when you get to Dawn, you get um, the the kind of the Jason Clark arc and the, the story with Koba, which is essentially what sets up everything for for war with Koba's attack on the the humans. If I, if I yes. remember it correctly, yes. which which sets the war off, um, and. Yeah, I think it's definitely a series that grew in in, in strength per movie. You can have personal favourites like yourself, Paul. You you would probably put Dawn as your favourite. Is that right? Uh, ah, yeah, I think so. I think yeah. so. I think just because that's I really like Rise and how it ends, and obviously mm-hmm. uh, you could pretty much see Cobra becoming the sort of the body progressing. Yeah. If there was a sequel or no, he was. He's um, almost like the extremist, isn't he? Yeah, and um, I just mm-hmm. like the way it sort of it just sets you up for everything that comes out. It's a, it's a solid film as well. It was really, really good. And I think the um, I think Woody Harrelson's um, character in the third one's just an absolute maniac. Like he's just yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Because that's one of the things I like about it is you, you don't actually know what was going to happen with him. Because he could literally have done anything, do you know what I mean? Like, he's like a kamikaze bad guy. Like, one minute he's, he's he's talking sense, next minute he's he's he's, he's basically in Caesar's lair with his family and his kid and just trying to shoot them yeah. up. Do you know what I mean? It's... Yeah. So, looking at the movie from the start, we get the well, I mean, the opening scene as a. Uh, a kind of gorilla. Is that the right the right term? A gorilla unit of some sort of army that we're not a hundred percent sure of attacking 
the ape compound. And we see that also there is certain elements of apes called donkeys mm-hmm. that are working with the humans. Who themselves are gorillas as well. Oh, who are actually gorillas, yeah. Yes. Uh, well, not, not all of them are, but the first one we see, yes, I think, yes. is a gorilla. They, and they're called donkeys. They um, basically turns out that they are kind of um, loyal to Cobra from yeah. dawn. Um, we get attacks on camps. We get, I mean, a great opening scene, which... For me, it's actually the biggest kind of war element of it. Like after, even though it's called War for the Planet of the Apes, it was quite understated in terms of what happens after that. I felt. Yeah, yeah, I think so. Um, which I really enjoyed actually. So, so before we done a rewatch for this, I thought I hadn't seen it, and I have actually seen it, but it'd been a kind of half watch. Aye, so it's called kind of War for the Planet of the Apes, but it has a. A kind of a quite uh, an action-packed opening, but then becomes a bit more subtle and a bit more settled after that initial opening. Um, and it's quite a bit into the movie before we see any kind of huge action set pieces or anything like that. I, that. That's what I really liked about it. Yeah, I think it becomes more almost becomes a sort of a prisoner war film. Kind of the, the latter right. half, almost like a kind of like. Great Escape, you know what was that? What was that film with um, Angelina Jolie film, the Prisoner War Camp film, Invincible, oh, something like that, or aye. something, something like that. Yeah, she was the yeah. director on it. Aye, she directed that film. So it's kind of it's almost like that. Sort of like they've got these sort of like you know these prisoners of war, the, the apes in this case, and obviously the humans are the the sort of bobo sort of Nazi. No mm-hmm. Japanese, I guess, sort of playing the sort of part of the the um, invading force, I, I guess, in a sense. So it's, it was kind of it, it kind of struck me that that kind of that kind of film at the end. Though you've got this kind of big massive battle at the beginning, um, it's it's more about it becomes more of a kind of like a uh, like a POW movie. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's almost like yeah, like just like kind of like a them trying to get out and them trying to like. And obviously they've got, they've got the great escape version of trying to tunnel in and get out. And mm-hmm. um, I thought that was a really interesting kind of take on it. So yeah. it's quite subtle, but it was it was like, it's, just kind of, it's kind of like that. So it's like it's almost like a the war part does does kind of like lend itself to like being part of that part of a war is like taking prisoners and mm-hmm. you know like you know, like shit that they do when they do when they the weapon mm-hmm. them and stuff like that. So it's quite oh it's quite like quite quite cool, quite interesting. One of the, I mean, once we get the the kind of opening war scene, uh, or the opening battle scene, sorry, and then we get um, probably the next big impactful part of it is when uh, Caesar's wife and son are murdered by this guy who we've always just kind of I mean, this. I mean, it happens quite maybe about forty minutes into the movie, which is quite long on. But the sort of about character building before that, mm-hmm. um, and building Caesar up as the leader, and dealing with um, kind of his way of dealing with prisoners of war, where he sends them away, 
um, and dealing with one of Cobas, uh, who's now a donkey for the uh, yeah. the humans. Um, but then the next kind of big emotional part and the big um, kind of plot driven part is when Caesar's wife and some are killed by this mysterious colonel you've heard about since the start of the movie. And he says, you hear through the radio, and Caesar picks up through the radio, uh, uh, King Kong is dead. So then Caesar, obviously, being smart enough, picks up on that and runs back. And that's the kind of first, that's the first part we ever see Woody Harrelson actually in the movie, about 40 minutes in, I think it is, maybe maybe a wee bit less, maybe a wee bit longer, I'm not too sure, but... um, Massive emotional part, and this is when <laughs> the the um, actress of our episode checks out. This Judy Greer, who I didn't even know it was, but <laughs> this is that's when she's she is no longer. But um, it's a good crossover. Paul, <laughs> eh? It's a good crossover point. Aye, yes. but it's um, it's it's a great scene because the emotion you get from the the mocap. Uh, of Caesar, um, but yeah, uh, I mean it's a great scene, and you, you feel the emotion of it as well, don't you, Paul? Yeah, definitely. I think that's part of the thing that was built up uh, previously to make them so human is that, like Larry was saying, you're, you're not looking at these guys as CGI apes at this point in time. You're looking at this mm-hmm. guy as he's lost his wife and his son, the same way you would yeah. if, uh, the same way you did whenever we lost Charles and. Uh, in the first film, do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Obviously, that's a different set of circumstances, but the sort of the the emotions still there. I think a, a big thing yeah. for me was remembering watching it for the first time. Caesar's a good guy, and he's been a good guy pretty much from from minute one. Um, mm-hmm. But the, this is the biggest sort of set of circumstances he's had to play under in terms of bad shit happening to him because bad stuff yeah. happens in, in the three films you know what I mean like the bit whenever he tells well no I'm going to go to the woods cool you don't know if maybe because uh, there was a point whenever he goes back and he steals the the chemicals the from the first film you think he could have killed him in the house he doesn't you go okay so he's a bit human and then everything happens for the second film you think he could maybe turn to less of a good guy maybe not a bad guy and at this right. point you're maybe thinking to yourself well we could just go off the rails here. I think mm-hmm. in classic Hollywood, you know he's not going because he's a good guy. But at that point, you never know because you've just been given a, you've just been handed a body who has, as I said earlier, is like a kamikaze. Like, you don't know what that guy's going to do. So how do you, yeah. how do you sort of match up to a guy that you've got no idea is going to do next? Like, mm-hmm. I think that's what um, certainly, certainly in war. They give you the kind of ultimate psycho bad guy with Woody Harrelson. Mm. You are given that kind of black and white Caesar against the Colonel. Um, later on, motivations are kind of are, are given, but um, Dawn is where it's a bit more uh, ambiguous. Cobra being wanting to fight against the humans while Caesars maybe want to be a bit more not placid but a bit more um uh, yeah, but yeah but potentially a bit more political in yeah. his approach. Yeah. 
Diplomatic. Diplomatic, yeah, that's the word. Um, but you're given this one as, as black and white. Caesar is only one to try and protect his people and his species. And then you have this guy who just seems determined on hunting them, even though they're not interested in this supposed war. And this is what, and Woody Harrelson murdering his wife and child is what leads him to go, go, do you know what, fuck it, no, I need to hunt him down, I don't care about anything else. This is a guy I need to find, I need to kill, and then it'll be all okay, I think is what Caesar maybe thinks. Yeah, thinks. But these guys, but these guys are extremists, so even if that was the case, but yeah, that's where it kind of goes from there. Um, I think it almost turns out like a brain versus brawn as well. Like, mm-hmm. obviously, like Colonel stuffs get the the army and the artillery and whatnot, and Caesar's mm-hmm. effectively just get his eight buddies. And okay, they maybe get some weapons, but they've they've certainly not got the numbers and things. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, aye, and yeah, and I mean, I think the way you see with the Harrelson Colonel, he is, he probably sees himself as the superior species but he acts on he acts more on impulse and more on anger than what the apes do in the whole movie always has done it's not about when he tells his uh, charge at the the start of the movie the young guy who is basically he's like I think it's just me that's left he says all you need to do is kill as many as you can that's his his kind of modus operandi. He's just take out as many as you can, and so he's is is acting more animalistic than the animals, essentially. I think that's whenever it's sort of juxtaposition between what mm-hmm. you see and what you get. Like obviously, it's easier thinking big ape going to act like an animal. Yeah. But again, we, we we see that through the, the three films. It doesn't act the way that you would expect them to. I think that's the whole point of the Planet of the Apes, even from the first films as well. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, whether that's whether, that, whether that's the, the twist to sort of engage you in, or whether that was their intention. Like that's just that's what what we've ended up with. I think. Yeah. You, you sort of get that with Cobra at, at different points where he's acting more human. Because he is mm-hmm. a, a lot more angry, and he does want vengeance. He does. He, do, he, he sort of almost doesn't it's see more the reactionary. Ah, uh, he doesn't see the long game as much as he just sort of sees it sort of fucking few feet in front of his face. Mm-hmm. Um, just with his actions and stuff. I think that's where Caesar has an end game in mind with this. Obviously, whenever yeah. Blue Eyes comes back with rocket and stuff, and says, "Oh, we've got somewhere where it's perfect for us. We just need to yeah. get through the winter, and then we can travel." Yeah. And obviously that's that culminates just before they get a chance to do that. Well, yeah. Caesar's end game is peace. Yeah, yeah, and the, that's, that's I think his intentions are like, let's if they're not going to leave us be, we'll just leave. Uh, yeah, they just I yeah. don't think they would have been given the choice anyway, but they certainly certainly didn't end up like that. Hmm. A kind of curveball in it, which I'm not a hundred percent sure was needed. Was the kind of adopted child in it? 
I didn't think that landed as well for me. Um, I felt that she was... She she came into play, I think she gets called Nova, doesn't she? Because um, of well, the... The... One, yeah. the, the um, the think it looks like a car or something like a car it's part of a car or something. I'm not hundred percent sure what it is. Um, for me, I wasn't I wasn't on board with that hundred percent. I felt like it was maybe it felt a bit padded. Yeah, I didn't. I, I thought that the, the movie could have survived without having her in it. Mm-hmm. I think don't think she served any kind of great purpose other than you know being a sort of R two D two. And then going off and one at some point and having bad ape kind of go after her, like, where are you going, where are you going, where are you going? Yeah. I mean, I think, I think that she was just kind of like, I think that she was putting the move to make to make Caesar kind of, always, I'm, I'm a kind of curmudgeonly ape and I don't want to like, yeah. have kind of kids around and blah, 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 blah. I've, I've lost my kids. Mm-hmm. So I think it's just another thing to make him sympathetic, but I think you've mm-hmm. already made him sympathetic and if the, and, and Dawn, you've already made him sympathetic in the beginning of war. Yeah. Then why? I don't think you'll need her to be in it. <clears throat> so, after they find what becomes comes to be known as Nova, um, Caesar, they're still looking for the colonel, and as they're kind of trying to get their bearings, they come across someone who's robbing them, who it turns out was they think might be human, and it's from our point of view, it looks as if it might be, be someone human. And then we find out from that as well that... Uh, or, or no, sorry, we don't find out from that. We've already known that uh, Nova's death. Um, so we come across Bad Ape, um, who, for me, the CGI for him is fucking incredible. Like, I thought... Looking, especially at the scenes where it's that kind of bit, Larry, as you were saying, with the Great Escape, where his head is poking out, just the lighting around it, mm-hmm. kind of texture on his face. The, the, the CGI is just unbelievable. Yeah, I, I think he's... Again, I wasn't a, as big a fan of Bad Ape. I thought he was quite, a kind of a weird sort of comic relief character mm-hmm. that wasn't maybe not needed yeah okay i, I mean i enjoy St- steve's and as, as most people do mm. um and by that i mean modern family well, in short in short <laughs> bursts um four episodes of modern family yeah where yeah, he plays that he plays a hick who's not actually a hick but he's just a really rich guy <laughs> <laughs> but like, i i i did I, as i said before i, I thought that the the effects on the apes were just was impeccable. Mm. Every kind of ape had their own sort of their look and feel and their own sort of personality. So it really speaks well to the kind of the actors and I just what I liked about um Badi was the fact that so the likes of Caesar and Koba and everyone throughout the whole series the hair on the apes still looks good. It still the the CGI is still great, but with the um with with Baddy because he's so bald, mm. I think that added to how great the CGI looked mm-hmm. because you couldn't just have that wet matted hair. Yeah, you had a bit more expression on the face, 
and on the head in general. And I just thought that made it, the, the fact that it came across so clear, mm. it was just fantastic. Yeah, Paul, what did you think? I, I, I think, like I said before, like, uh, we went digital doing the, the effects and stuff. They're just, mm-hmm. they're just always solid. Like, uh, I'll go back to another trilogy, but Lord of the Rings is, is some of my favourite films. Just, I love yeah. the books. The films are amazing. I think the CGI, as much as it's maybe aged a wee bit, it's still fairly solid. And mm-hmm. this just shows you how far they've actually come from that. I mean, I think yeah. they're, they're the go-to guys, and they say because it's, it's like every time they do a film, I think he must be number one in their their phone. Do you know what I mean? Because he's, he's yeah. always there. Was at King Kong, he was there. Um, he was in the Hobbit again, wouldn't he? Um, mm-hmm. And then and this, I think this the, the I don't know if it's fa- facial rec- recognition or the way that they do. To do the facial mapping, like oh, yeah, know, like the mannerisms and yeah. the. Cause I know on this, the the actually this was one of the first films where they were able to go on location and do this. Normally, they right, okay. the studio before, and I think right. uh, I, I would like everything else. Uh, Technology is progressing every day. I think this was mm. a point where they could potentially go there, and they would maybe have a more natural looking light for what they were doing. Obviously, right. imagine a lot. It's been shot and set and stuff, but mm-hmm. the things that weren't, they're maybe getting a more natural light to work off of for the face and things. Aye, I mean, okay. obviously it's going to be done in computers and stuff and they can, they can mm-hmm. fix it there, but no, they're just they're incredible incredible guys doing amazing stuff. That's actually what I'm sure is up for sale as well. It's like 2.6 billion or something, like crazy money. Circus um, is... I don't know if Peter Jackson still has anything to do with it or owns part of it, but right, okay. I know what a digital... We're up for sale, just like last week, maybe. Sorry, we we meet Brad Ape, and he is he's a bit of what you're saying, Larry. Maybe a wee bit of comic relief, but he's also uh, an ape that's um, been in captivity, that's adapted himself with the virus. Obviously, that's was he tested uh, on as well? Was that right? He's a zoo. He was worked in a zoo. Yeah, yeah. I don't think he was ever mentioned if it was tested on, but he worked in a zoo. But just I think the virus is airborne, so he's developed his smarts from that, and then developed a way of uh, just learning from um, watching humans talk. Is the way it seemed to be described. the next big part is really Caesar's attempted kind of infiltration of the camp where he fails, which was quite a surprise actually. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, and he fails massively, and this is that's quite a big chunk of the movie where it is like we were talking about earlier. It's not a war movie; it's a prisoner of war movie. Yes, and it's all about Caesar just trying to survive. I think that's the biggest from, thing where it's, it's it's even more under a microscope where it is very much coming against Caesar and mm-hmm. can he break him and what can he do and how can he how can he get him I'm not under the thumbs of the right word, but how can he control him that way? Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. It's as I said, it is sort of like a, a prisoner of war film in relation to that. I like the fact that there's a bit of twist there because realistically you're watching this and you're going, I'm telling you the next five minutes is going to go like this, X, Y, and Z, mm-hmm. and then 
at Disney. So I what we were saying about Spider-Man, like that's the sort of thing that I paint the numbers is fine, but it's not very exciting. Aye. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I mean, you if you're looking at War for the Planet of the Apes, what are you expecting? You're going in thinking, oh, so you're going to have monkeys with guns, or sorry, apes with guns, mm-hmm. people with guns, sitting in trenches, going over the top, shooting each other, and then somebody wins. Yeah. But it, it's no the way it goes. It goes, uh, it's a very subtle movie and it's war. It's a very subtle movie and it's action. Um, it's fantastically performed by especially Judy Greer, of course. Hashtag Judy Greer for this episode. Um, <laughs> and, and like the only one that's. And even Woody Harrelson, who can be balls to the wall, kind of over the top Americana type of guy. Even his performance as this nasty, psychotic murderer is very understated. This is what I loved about the whole movie. It's very understated from what you would expect from a movie that is called War as its first word. I think they've taken a lot of what they had in the Planet of the Apes, the sort of first run of films, Mm -hmm. where it's very much just been... Planet of the Apes, it's apes doing stuff that people do. We'll put in a bit of, a bit of action, a bit of twist, mm-hmm. and then just pass, let and go. I think Matt Reeves has obviously seen this. I, I'm sure he, he said he took a wee bit of... He'd watched Bridge in the River Kwai before, and that's from the same writer that wrote Planet of the Apes. Right, Planet okay. Books originally. I can't mm-hmm. think of the guy's name, so... Apologies about that. Um, and I think he'd also watched things like um, Apocalypse Now and mm-hmm. um, The Great Escape and stuff, because there, mm-hmm. there are touches on it where you're looking going, oh, it's, it's not the exact same, but it's sort of similar. Mercy. Do you have any idea what your mercy would do to us? You're much stronger than we are. You're smart as hell. No matter what you say, you'd eventually replace us. That's the law of nature. The irony is we created you. We tried to defy nature, bend it to our will. Nature has been punishing us for our arrogance ever since. 10 months ago, I sent out recon units to look for your base. My own son was a soldier with one of the units. One day, he suddenly stopped speaking. He became primitive, like an animal. They contacted me and said that they thought he lost his mind, that the war was too much for him. Then the man who cared for him stopped speaking too. Their medic had a theory before he stopped speaking that the virus that almost wiped us out, the virus that every human survivor still carries, had suddenly changed, mutated, and that if it spread, it would destroy humanity for good this time. Not by killing us, but by robbing us of those things that make us human. Our speech, our higher thinking would turn us into beasts 
You talk about mercy? What would you have done? It was a moment of clarity for me. I realized that I would have to sacrifice my only son so that humanity could be saved. Caesar's not really building up a resistance, but he's building up a, an undertone of discontent among the workers. Mm-hmm. There's never really a full resistance until they have backup. Yeah, I think I think it's it's played subtly. It's not like it's going straight into, um, straight into kind of a, a resolution for them or escaping straight away. That it's they're obviously you know it's kind of played as if they're they are frightened and they just want they still want to be not subservient to to like Woody Harrelson and these trips. It's more about um, survival. It's a survival. They think well. Mm. You've seen obviously what they can, what they what they can do, what they're capable of. We're not on, we're on the, we're on the. When we were in in the forest, they we were they were on our terms. Mm-hmm. Now now they're we're in their hands. We've got to you know, deal with, we've got to deal with them as, and survive. And and we if we want to live, if we want to live a life. Then, um, mm-hmm. we need to make sure that we we stay sort of sub subservient or still at least appear to be. Don't have to like it, like living here, or like being under their their kind of rule. But we need to kind of make sure that we're um, towing the line, essentially. Yeah. And you, but it's not until they can kind of say they do have a back kind of back up the end. Yeah. They kind of like right, okay, we've got a chance of getting out of here, so let's. Yeah. Work I think together it's and, a spirit thing as well. Like, I yeah, think yeah. Colonel's looking to break Caesar to show every all the other apes like, well, like if he's the best amongst you, and I beat him. Mm-hmm. Yeah, oh, I definitely. It's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a power thing. Yeah, do you know what I mean? And that's Aye. probably to his detriment. Like, it's the classic bad guy, isn't it? Like, uh, yeah. If you just done the job at the start, you'd have won. But, mm-hmm. but Hubert yeah. is, is, is taking you out here. There's quite a few um, interactions between Caesar and the Colonel, Woody Harrelson, I think, is great in, in this movie. Um, and then we eventually learn why the Colonel is so single-minded in his vision as he is and it's that his son was one of the first that had that had shown the development of this new form of the virus that was killing humans and it wasn't the fact that it was killing them but it was um, almost resetting their advancement where they were unable to talk, is the way he's seen it anyway, as it was um, resetting their, uh, yeah, their, their um, what's the word? Uh, evolution. Kind of evolution. Um, and he had to put a bullet in his own son's head for the betterment of humanity, which is why he now has this vendetta against Caesar and the apes which adds a lot more to his character um, than just being a psycho who just wants to defend America as they would say it's not just about that it's it, it's a personal vendetta for him it's became mm-hmm. because yeah. he sees this as these are the people that have killed his son or forced him to kill his son and then eventually what happens to him 
Caesar breaks out, goes into his room, and the colonel and everything that he's done has thought he's been able to beat this virus. Caesar goes in and sees that the virus is still prevalent because the colonel can't talk, mm-hmm. can't um, communicate properly. The only thing he can do is basically say to Caesar, please kill me, yeah. essentially, because he has developed this virus. It's like the it's like the end of the fly. You're just gonna grab the gun and he's like, right, please. Mm-hmm. You need. And he's like, do it. And is it, obviously, he's hesitating at the at first, and then it like, yeah. I think Caesar sort of shows him mercy that not mercy that he gave him, but certainly like, right. I'm at the end of the day, I'm more human. I can show mercy. I can, even though I'm an ape, and you you thought of this of me, I can show you kindness, empathy, and. I I have to do this for you to you know because you don't want you don't want this but the revenge, uh, would, the revenge would have been to let you can live your life like that and have you live your this your days as the thing you you think you kind of didn't want to be and kind of um, mm-hmm. I maybe read that a wee bit different actually I read that as Caesar being because Caesar could have shot him yeah and he said no do you know what you fucking deal with this yourself. Yeah, it's more of a punishment to shoot him, isn't it? Yeah. I mean, they had the gun, I suppose, but then it's a a lot harder for him to shoot himself in the head than it is to be shot in the head by Caesar. Yeah. So the the way I read it was Caesar being like, do you know what? No, this is on you. You need to make the decision on what you do next. Yeah. I would agree there. I think, see, whenever we've been saying, oh, he becomes more human over the, the course of the films. Mm-hmm. I think at that point he, he's picked the sort of the cruelest outcome. Yeah, he's, he's the more the, human outcome. Yeah, because he's left the guy to, in a situation that the guy doesn't want to be in because he knows that's what he doesn't want. Mm-hmm. The, the, the human thing to do to him there would probably have been just to put a bullet in his head. Aye, he's, he's, chosen, he's chosen not to. And that's what I'm saying about it's... But it's revenge, it's anger. Aye, and that's never... <laughs> It's nice to see the sort of emotional fight within Caesar there because obviously he's in his own family to deal with at play earlier in the film. And mm. I see that as a sort of revenge move because shooting him gives, gives him the easy out. Aye, you don't have to make a decision. Aye. Yeah, definitely. Um, and then Caesar's kind of escape from the compound, and then we get the, the kind of the donkey that's been torturing him for basically the whole time in his point of war um, kills the guy that was about to kill him and um, although he's gave him a potentially fatal shot in the side uh, and then That's it the bit came, just before he takes the all the grenades is that aye, right? so he, he takes all the grenades aye. and he's Going towards the the gas tanks. Aye, that's um, that, that whole bit there. I mm-hmm. thought that was amazing. Like just yeah. Um, although you said that the, the start's probably the best bit for you, but I thought that was just aye. It was exciting. It felt as if it was building back up. Almost. I don't know if like that night. Um, for me, the great action film was just it peaks and then you drop and everything calms and you get story mm-hmm. and it goes goes poof again. And for me, mm-hmm. that's that's the point when it just sort of it set off and 
and picks uh, up again. Uh, it just right. was okay, right? We're getting to the business end of things, but you're right. still unsure because you've already been sort of half been tricked at the start, and you think, "Oh, this is going to be a hundred mile an hour for mm-hmm. the next however many minutes," and then yeah, yeah, but it was some 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 great sort of action shots there as well. Yeah, aye, definitely. There is, there's, I mean, there, there is a lot of great action shots, but it is still, I felt, for the end of the trilogy, I felt it was still understated, Like, but I liked it. In fact, I loved it. But it was still a lot less than what you thought. You thought you would maybe, if this had been handled by a lesser director and written by lesser people, what would have happened was... One morning, the soldiers would have woken up on their barricade and looked up and would have seen thousands of apes standing at their door. And the apes would have charged them and there'd have been slow motion and shit. But it wasn't really like that. It was still the the guys within, the the apes within the, the containment fighting back and Caesar making his escape, having... I think even the way that they escape as well, do you know what I mean? Like, it's quite smart the way they manage to get to get around about that. They're working together and they, obviously they're seeing, seeing Caesar and he manages to get them on side and believing and then I, I just, I really liked it as well. I think, I don't want to say the simplicity of it, but the sort of, the calmness of it really draws draws you in more than, all right, I've got, I've got, Two massive guns, let's fucking go to town. Exactly, aye. I think this is the. And we've came back to it a couple of times. You hear about a war for the planet of the apes, you're expecting maybe an hour and, a four, an hour and 45 minute movie of here's the Golden Gate Bridge, here's the Brooklyn Bridge, here's. Um, DC falling, all of these different locations with apes rising up and fighting against the US Army, or fighting against whatever, or fighting against separate factions of militia. It's not that, it's a very um, centralised story based around Caesar, and the war is more of a gritty, horrible. Um, nasty thing to deal with where innocents are killed I think it's just very honestly smart it's very wise the way that they've actually they've worked everything through for it I don't think I think everything's been calculated that way like I don't think it's been something where they thought oh mm-hmm. this would be cool or this would be different I think they just went this makes but, sense to the story for the characters do you know what I mean yeah yeah it actually makes me quite excited for um is it the Batman? Mm-hmm. Because I sorry. Aye. Larry, what did you think about the kind of final compound parts? I like I liked it, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um mm. again kinda of, kind of what you would say, you can you you kinda of did expect it to be um a little bit more balls out, but Maybe a bit more two towers. Yeah, yeah, a little like bit more like Gandalf you, over the hill type of thing. I think, uh, yeah, like I say, when you when you when you hear a, when you hear War for the Planet of the Apes. Now, obviously, not myself not seeing it. A lot of trailers kind of 
painted in a way that's like a, there's a lot of action in it, but mm-hmm. and there is a, there is a good 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 chunk of it, but it's more of an, an emotional sort of like a just like just like we said before, like just a, it's a more an emotional war movie. Yeah, there's more about. What about the horrors of war than actual? Yeah, so it's like that apocalypse now. You're talking obviously about him being, Matt Reeves being um, influenced by apocalypse now. It's more about that kind of like a platoon mm-hmm. or kind of full metal jacket, those kind of movies where it's not it's not glorifying war and the kind of like in the way you have like an Arnie movie or like Rambo where it's all like, like being at war's cool, but it, it's more about. Um, it's, it's gritty and it's horrible and there's people get people are hurt and they're tortured and they're treated they're mistreated and much like kind of you you know have like internment camps you know in World, World War Two or in Vietnam or um it's not played for bravado or kind of machismo it's more it's about not made sexy it's made quite no it's like the like the, like like the humans the guys with the guns essentially in this movie they're not they're pieces of shit they're, they're, they're meant to be fascistic sort of overlords you know they're, they're grunts and they're horrible people and they're they treat the less they're the kind of lesser you know the donkeys like like shit they treat them as lesser you know lesser not humans but lesser beings you know like you're just a, you're just a, a, an animal and you're even less than that now because you've defected over to us so we don't have any respect for you your 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 um your own species don't give a fuck about you. They they've turned their backs on you now. Why they should we care? So they're treated and they're treated with that sort of disrespect, even to even where the the guys are now taking their side. Is that's a kind of a bigger thing when I which I thought was really interesting. The only thing good thing to do was not focus on all out war fighting and completely just chaos when it's like. Apes and humans are just kind of clashing this big wall of like like the two towers or like these kind of like big sort of epic battles. You've just, got, the... you've just got this this kind of like an emotional kind of end to it all, and it doesn't end with like not a whimper, but certainly end, like a, it's a build. There's a kind of like there's there's a gradual like it kind of finishes off this this the story really well, like if. If they never made another movie again, which I don't think they obviously will, but um, you can be satisfied I'll, with it. You know, like it isn't like oh, I need to know. I think it keeps more. in tone you've, with you've the other films good, as well. Good arc. So I think if it started with Rise being, like I said earlier on, see if they just went two footed into that right talking apes. So if yeah. they if they started Rise at the end, where they we start talking and they run into the woods, you've effectively. You've not had any build, you've got no emotional tie to Caesar. Effectively, he's just mm-hmm. a big ape that can talk and mm-hmm. I don't need to go and deal with. I think that that's that's the, the, the one of the three films that wasn't directed by Matt Reeves. It was uh, directed by Rupert Wyatt. Um, just double check here, sorry. He directed The Escapist and The Gambler mm-hmm. uh, before and after um, Cap- Captive State. Um, and then he's got a couple of things coming out, so he's not done a million things. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I think, given given the starting point, that that's probably helped it be more contained in terms of an action film. Because I think, again, yeah. if you go too hard, too fast, you end up driving 
Cars in the Moon and Fast and the Furious 9. Um, I think given the the platform you had for, for Rise and then obviously Dawn takes you in a different direction, there's a, a different cast outside a sort of mm-hmm. season in, in the apes. Yeah. They could have went anywhere with it, but I do enjoy the fact that you had three different films where effectively the, the cast changed for half the amount three times and they never really went off a cliff with it. It was always no, no, no. sort of tangible to itself. Um, Dawn was more of the war movie, I feel, of what you would think yes, of yeah. as the classic war movie. Yeah. Yes, because it had that but, big set piece at the kind of end. Yeah. Sort of like, yeah. yeah. And, but war is the actual one that you would see as being the dirty war, the horribleness of it, the, the, the nastiness of it, yeah. the Vietnam style um, uh, guerrilla warfare and innocent people dying and your heroes aren't who you think they are. And If they've been whiter than white and Angelic, I don't think. Do you know what I mean? That's where you're going with Caesar. If he, if he uh, done everything, you would never fuck, would you? Aye. Uh, that was again the setup of the first two because he he, uh, he turns different ways at certain points. You're going, oh, well, maybe maybe he could be a wee bit of mm. a bad character. He, he, he doesn't go there anyway. Well, but it's aye. Caesar wanted to leave the young girl to die. Yeah. It wasn't him that wanted her to live. It was the orangutan who I forget his name. Um, Rocket. He, no. Rocket. Um, the, he won. Caesar was more than willing to let that young yeah. girl go. So I, I the, don't think he's quite he an, just, an anti-hero at that, but he's he's not he's no um he's no Superman. Do you know what I mean? But we then get to essentially the the kind of epilogue of the trilogy, yeah. and the apes have got where they need to be. They've got to the lake, and Caesar dies. Um. I'll just I'll no I'll no ask for any kind of roundup of the build up to that or anything. And I think that was kind of you, you see that coming at that point. Oh, right. That's the, the most obvious part. Once of all the three of them. Yeah, once he's been once he's been shot in the side through the the crossbow. Um, do you think it's as a roundup of the whole trilogy? Do you feel like it lands? Do you think they could have done anything better? I mean, personally for me, I think it's the only way it could have ended. Um, how do you feel it was as an ending, uh, Larry? Yeah, I think I think it just I think as as we've said before, it needed to sort of end. I don't think there's how can you really top those those movies? I mean, yeah, it'd be hard to sort of kind of carry on the story. You know, kind of mm-hmm. you've had a sort of had the arc, and you've had Caesar become kind of fully realised and become sort of like. Uh, a deity, a, de- a deity, a sort of a, a kind of like, no, no, no. I was going to say an antihero, but it's almost, almost like a kind of like, a kind of a, not a martyr, but a kind of like. Oh, I would say martyr. I don't think yeah. he becomes fully antihero because no. antihero would suggest that it, it, it crosses a line, but he never does really because no. No. everything he does is acted in war. That's what I was saying about he gets to he sort of he dances about the line at times, but he never mm. he never gets over it. But for his people, for his for the people that are living the the apes that are living on that lake now, he is God, essentially, or some form of deity. 
And he will be. I think he's sort of, sort of, sort of a saviour, essentially. He's kind of so there. Yeah, that's maybe a better word. I'm not saying he's like Jesus Christ, but he's certainly there. Yeah. They are sort of Moses, essentially, that's kind of leading them to to water. Better land. Aye. Yeah. Yeah. What about yourself, Paul? How do you feel like, kind of tied up? Caesar sort of had to die. Um, I had to die. I think that that, his story is... It, for him to have been there in any capacity, I think you'd always have been looking. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I assume when they done like any sequels and a wee bit of information about that, I can say like second. But I think like it's it's not the perfect ending, but it's it's an ending that you go, do you know what? I can accept it. Are you happy at it? Yeah. Well, you might be happy at it, but you're definitely not coming away going, oh, they should never ever have done that. I think mm. he had lived. <laughs> you see him from when he's. Um, where he came from. Uh, do you know what I mean? You see his, his whole art there. To have him in there in any capacity, if he did make any sequels, uh, would have been too much. It's almost as if he served his purpose. He wanted them to be free. He achieved that. Yeah. Right in the process. You know, it's almost like a fresh beginning for everybody else because of that. Mm-hmm. They don't have one eye on him thinking, right, well, yeah. what did we do before? Well, you get a new leader now, do you know what I mean? Yeah. Well, I, th- I thought it was really good. I liked that. I think, as I said before, mm-hmm. I think the the first and second film um, give it really good platforms to to build off of and to get where it goes. Right. I know we said it's not like a classic action film. I think it's really enjoyable. I think because you invest in it a little bit more, maybe because of the first ones. It's almost an internal war rather than a war. Do you know what I mean? It's almost more an, it was almost more of an internal war than an actual war. Like Colonel's fighting a disease. He's fighting for his son. Caesar's mm-hmm. fighting for his people. But they, fighting for his wife and daughter. Ah, but they never. Aye, but do you know what I mean? But they never actually properly go to war. Well, I know that's what, what no. we're saying there. I think it's, it's interesting for that. Yeah. What I, oh, had, yeah right. um, I was just checking a couple of different pieces of the internet stuff, and they when they'd asked Andy Serkis um, about sequels and stuff, he said. Mm-hmm. It was. It was. It was. It might be three films. It could be four. It could be five. Who knows? The journey will continue. And that was in two thousand and fourteen. So that been before this was released. Uh, so seventeen. This was yeah, released. Seventeen. I. And mm-hmm. then I think there's another piece of information saying before the before the release of War, Reeves had expressed an interest in making more apes films. Really? Um, okay. With Steve Zahn. Um. Obviously, Barry Ape would say that earlier on. Uh, it was going to. It would have been more sequels, and then there's another part that says the producers are were ready as of 2019 to make more sequels after Rise, but not not directly sequels. So I don't know if there's spin-offs and uh, shit yeah. like that. But, uh, Matt nah. Reeves is going to be involved. Um, well, I, I would probably watch it, but I, w- I would watch the first one if the first one's special. <laughs> Let's be honest, I went to see the first, I went to see Rise expecting to sit and go, right, we're getting a, a kind of origin story to why the Planet of the Apes happened. And then going into Dawn, I was like, how the fuck are monkeys, uh, sorry, apes going to beat cunts with guns in a military <laughs> and obviously brought in the virus I don't know if that's involved in the original series or um, I don't know I, I, 
I, I'd say go back and watch them, but I think there's about ten of them. So I probably <laughs> yeah. I don't know. I don't know if there is viruses. Or anything like that. I'm not. I'm not hundred percent sure. And then it worked so well for me. I don't need to see how another ape family done the story with Caesar. Yeah, one of the Caesar quotes, stories yeah. done. I'm sure. I do not doubt. In twenty years' time. They would maybe do another one, or ten years, or fucking five years' time, we'll do another one. But I don't care. I don't yeah, care. One of the quotes for the guys... Um, the guys see. that need to make money. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, funnily enough, I. So it's Wes Ball. Um, he says he's got Josh Friedman to, to write the screenplay. And the quote is... The film will feel like a follow-up to the overall Rise trilogy, but at the same time... Filmmaker will do some really cool new stuff. <laughs> so, I I don't know. So generic really as cool fuck. Yeah, probably. Yeah, because I'll be honest, like the great films, but I wouldn't. I would go. Oh, that's a really cool film. Do you know what? You I mean? know, it it's a, a trilogy that has been, I think, underappreciated. Mm-hmm. Um, especially as a, a sci-fi trilogy and action, action movies as well. Um, I think it's it's got to be in the in the conversation of most solid trilogies. I think a lot of trilogies that you, you speak about, and maybe you, you should dis- disagree, but I think in terms of how solid each film is, mm-hmm. even like you got the Godfather. I don't think the third Godfather is that bad. It's certainly not on par with one and two. If you take it just in its own, it's watchable. Do you know what I mean? Aye. Well, um, I mean, aye, if you look at standalone trilogies, what have you got? You've got Godfather. You've got the Dark Knight trilogy. You've got Star Wars. Star Wars. Oh, that's that's trilogy now, I suppose, is it really? Yeah, but I know, but I was, aye, I would still call that as a trilogy. I would call them separate trilogies. Like, yeah. um, I'm looking at them as, as an overall story and. As individual films, do you know what I mean? Like a, I know it wasn't built as a trilogy initially because it was the first one, and then the other two. But then Star Wars was the same as that, was it? No, it was a I'm one. Sure Bat- I'm sorry, I think the Dark Knight one would have been the exact same if Batman yeah. Begins had bombed. No, yeah, yeah. if it did that night. Yeah, if Lord of the Rings, I mean, they filmed them all at once. But if Lord of the Rings. Uh, Fellowship of the Ring had absolutely bombed, and obviously they they had a lot of faith in it. If it had bombed, it would, wouldn't have been <sighs> maybe not as the, the the maybe wouldn't have been as much fanfare. It could have been fucked something direct to video or something like. You never know. That was our discussion of mostly War for the Planet of the Apes, but the recent Apes trilogy. Um, following on from Judy Greer's stellar turn in Halloween Kills and then she never really even turned up in this either for the next episode Larry would you like to tell us what it is so the next one we're going to be jumping off from Woody Harrelson to A Scanner Darkly magic and I cannot wait for that Uh, Robert Downey Jr acting like he used to do when he was on drugs in a movie fueled by drugs. Keanu... No, wait, Keanu Reeves isn't even in it, is he? Yes, yes, yeah, yeah. Keanu is, yeah, yes. And Winona Ryder, they've got just some trippy as ball stuff involving 
the best of Philip K. Dick. Paul, do you know much about Ascara Bartley? Eh, Richard Linklater directs. Does he? I think so. Well, there you go. I don't um, know that. Is that. Is it Rotoscoped as well? Yes. It's fucking cartoon. I don't know what Rotoscope is, but it's really cartoony in that. I think basically what they do is they film it and then they draw the film. Yeah, I actually might be wrong. I might how it's been done. I thought it was. But look, I think we can have a wee discussion about it as well because it's it's really interesting. Look, it looks as if it's like a, a filter you'd have on your phone nowadays, but obviously this right. was like 20 years ago, 15 years ago. I think it was aye, 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 at least. Um, one of the better recently adapted uh, Philip K. Dick ones. Um, but yeah, can't wait to talk about that. Thank you for listening. Um, go and watch War for the Planet of the Apes and we will catch you soon.